seekers, explorers and renegades out there, welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. As with any of the seven deadly sins as we have in uh, uh, Catholicism and Christianity, pride is uh, one of those that is more about balance than anything else. So the balance is about where on the spectrum of pride, uh, looking at pride from a humility point of view or pride from an ego point of view. Where is your pride coming from? What's the motivation for your pride? So personally, I don't believe in, in that pride or any of these things are necessarily bad. It's just out of balance. And in fact, good thing, bad thing, I don't know. Uh, in, at the end of the day, what is bad, what is good, it's all a matter of perception. So let's go in depth a little bit into the topic of pride and uh, see if we can uh, trigger some questions within yourself to discover how you feel about pride, where you exist with pride and how you can move towards something that is going to encourage and uh, support your growth. Enjoy! Do you take pride in your hurt? Does it make you sound large and tragic? Well, think about it. Maybe you're playing a part on a great stage with only yourself as an audience. This is from uh, one of my favorite books, East of Eden by John Steinbeck. And when we're thinking about the topic for today, pride, and we're looking at, well, at least in these conversations, these discussions, we are often talking, well, we talk a lot about the human condition and pride being one of them. Oftentimes, it is pride that holds us back in our kind of victimhood or we hold on to anger or bitterness because of pride um, or at least pride as it's been defined in um, in our societies anyway so the definition of pride according to the the uh, uh, oxford dictionary anyway is a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements the achievements of those with whom uh, one is closely associated, or from qualities or possessions that are widely admired. Now, that doesn't really resonate or kind of align with the concept of pride as being one of the uh, seven deadly sins or uh, something that is uh, frowned upon. The definition sounds positive, doesn't it? So to me, we do have this kind of disconnect in society where pride in itself is considered a bad thing. But when we look at the actual definition, it's a good thing. That we should be proud of our achievements or proud of the achievements of others. So where is this disconnect? And it's where I can see historically uh, pride, the reason has been considered a sin is that pride uh, 
from a religious perspective, or at least Christian perspective, was uh, considered that you know it alienates us from God. That it's you know this idea of self devotion, self justification, or self glorifying, then took away our our uh, connection or our glor uh, kind of connection with God or. Uh, reverence for God, because it, we take all the focus we have and we kind of bring it to ourselves. And of course, you know, religion, you, the whole idea is to worship a God or many gods, depending on what religion you're subscribing to. Uh, so once you start bringing that focus towards yourself that gives you less time to focus on god and therefore religion becomes less and less meaningful uh, so if we take secular societies uh, in the western world today we are seeing this idea of uh, much more uh, self-awareness self-reflection and it's certainly something i'm promoting in these conversations um, which does take you away take us away from uh, this idea of worshipping something outside of ourselves. Uh, now, I think in a lot of cases, uh, as we were uh, the definition also talks about, it's uh, that it's uh, a feeling of deep pleasure uh, or satisfaction uh, derived from the qualities or possessions that are widely admired. So take a nice new Tesla, right? The owner of that nice new Tesla might be very proud of it because he or she knows that it's a desirable item, a desire, desirable possession. Now, that might not be the healthiest thing in the world to go through life pursuing those materialistic um shall we say, moments of pride, because oftentimes they, they do cover something else up. But that is, of course, everyone's own experience, depending on how you go about it. So, But when we are looking at pride in a, a histor historical concept and why pride has uh, kind of come into uh, or has gone at that kind of stigma, it is because of the... Uh, uh, the perspective of religion, at least in uh, Christianity. I did uh, look up uh, both in uh, Islam and Judaism if they had the same kind of relationship with it. And they do, but it's not as uh, articulated as we find it in the, uh, in the uh, Christian uh, doctrine. So when we... So is pride really a sin or is it really something bad? And so, yes, of course, it depends on your belief system. If whatever I said before resonates with you, that it takes away your perspective or your connection with God or your, your reverence for God and so forth, then, of course, it is going to be. And that's fine because we all have our own experiences and how we perceive things as we go through life here on, on this planet anyway. And, but what I'd like to offer up today is perhaps uh, something, uh, some other way of thinking about it or flipping the script on 
the concept. So when we look at pride and the contrast to pride or the the virtue comparison, so pride, if pride is the sin, what's the virtue? The virtue is humility, right? Now, if we're looking at, uh, so if we, we're looking at pride as a spectrum, but I don't think that necessarily pride and humility should be on opposite sides of the spectrum. I think the spectrum, spectrum all in itself should be pride. And then we put humility on one side and put narcissism on the other side. And so when we are looking at pride, whether it's a quote-unquote good thing or bad thing, then it's looking at where are we on that spectrum. Now, so for our own internal purposes or our own personal experiences, is humility the best thing for us? Or is narcissism the best thing for us? We look at some public figures in society today, and for them, narcissism clearly is the best alternative for them to succeed in the world. And so that is their experience. And I suppose they perpetuate that because they people respond to it. They are being recognized uh, with that narcissism and people uh, elevate them and revere them for it. So why would they stop? Right. So when we are looking at ourselves and our own experiences, I think it's important to look at, okay, what is authentically me? So we have situations where, uh, for example, in Sweden, we have something called, I'm from Sweden originally, and there's something called Jantelagen, which is the Jante law. Uh, it's not really a law, it's just a societal rule that we have in Sweden, everybody knows about it, it's something we grew up with, that you don't uh, you don't brag, you don't put or you don't kind of go out and publicize and talk about your successes. You try to minimize everything. And you try, you kind of minimize it to, so that you don't appear to put yourself above others, right? Whereas in and uh, whereas in America, uh, in the U.S., where I lived for six years, uh, it's on the other, it's on the other end of the scale. There, it's all about celebrating success. And it's celebrating your own success as well as everybody else's success. Everybody wants everybody to succeed within the concept and the within the societal concept of success, which is material success. And that's important to keep in mind because if you're if you feel that you're succeeding in a different way, then that's not celebrated because that's seen as no, nah, that's not success. This is success, right? So I remember when I moved back to Sweden for a uh, period of uh, four and a half years uh, between 2007 and 2012, I was told, and I was uh, 
running a company together with uh, my business partner. And I was told, you know, when people ask you how it's going, just minimize it, you know, uh, don't really, you know, and we were doing fantastic work. It was going swimmingly. And I didn't really like that. I've, I've spent time in America and Europe and the UK. I didn't like that. I was like, that's ridiculous. If we're doing well, then why not say that? And if we're not doing so well, why not say that? I mean, what's wrong with that? <laughs> so I, I made it a point to tell everybody that we were just raking it in. We were having great success uh, just to see how people reacted. Um, so that was an interesting experience. And uh, it didn't land that well, I can tell you. <laughs> the Jantelagen uh, was uh, very much in uh, in play, but it's getting less so now these uh, these days. I think success is being more uh, kind of celebrated in Sweden. But we can see that, that society has a, an expectation on us as to how we relate to pride. And pride being the, uh, the feeling of uh, something that we're proud of. So I had pride in my work. I have pride in my children. I have pride in uh, the work I've done myself or whatever it may be. Um, so on one hand, we have, what do I authentically feel? So yes, I grew up in Sweden. Uh, I am Swedish. I uh, lived there for the first 22 years of my life. But I authentically still didn't resonate with what society told me how I should relate to uh, pride, right? I, re I kind of recognize more of the, the American way of doing it, of celebrating myself and others. That resonated more with me, right? So that was authentically uh, my authenticity. But that's going to be different for everybody. And this is why, where it is important that when we start looking at our own experience and the, those of others, are we looking at them from the perspective of the societal expectation? Are we looking at them from the perspective of our own expectations or our own experiences? Or are we just allowing people to express themselves however they want, right? So if you have someone who has a big personality, they tend to be shut down, right? Oh, don't take up so much space, you know, make yourself smaller. Or, you know, if someone is has a hidden personality, they, they are not uh, kind of given that space. They're, they're considered weird because they're, they're not really talking about themselves or whatever. But they're, uh, at the same time, they're not given the space because they're not talking about the stuff they're proud of, right? They don't share their pride. Whereas someone with a big personality can, you know, they share everything they're proud of. So, you know, reflecting on, so when we are looking at, other people, it so we take someone with a big personality, for example. If we are triggered by that ourselves, that is often 
because there is an aspect of ourselves that is unhealed and unrecognized. So we are triggered because of jealousy or that, you know, from a societal point of view, I have grown up with this belief system that talking about one's successes is uh, wrong or bad. It's sinful, right? So therefore, it triggers me. So knowing why some uh, this idea of pride triggers me is a good journey to find out about unhealed aspects within myself, myself or what are the uh, belief systems that I hold? So when we are looking at at, uh, at the uh, our uh, how we react to others, for example, if someone is being you know uh, talking about their success and we are reacting to it, perhaps it is because. I myself would like to have that success, but I'm not having it. So therefore, I am reacting to it, right? Hi, yes. In terms of uh, what you just said, that sounds so like interesting because when you actually, it's kind of like reflecting back at one. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Whatever we get triggered by is reflecting back to us what we would actually like, but we're not doing to get it. Um, so basically, it's kind of like a reflection of the subconscious of what we're actually um, what we're actually wanting. So basically, it, is is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, I mean, we can kind of generalize it a little bit uh, that anything that triggers you is a reflection of something that remains unhealed within you. Whether that is anger, fear, jealousy, uh, whatever it may be, whatever triggers you, there needs to be an aspect you need to hold an aspect uh, of that which is unhealed within you for in order for you to be triggered if you weren't tr- or if, if there there wasn't this aspect you wouldn't be triggered because it would be nothing that it wouldn't face you right so looking at pride in this respect someone that takes pride in the work they've done uh, and say, you know, say someone comes in to uh, meet with you and they're like, oh, I just made, uh, you know, 100,000 pounds on the deal I made uh, yesterday. Now, if your first reaction is, oh, my God, how boastful, then, and you, you get this kind of, bad or kind of sickening feeling within yourself uh you have that trigger right so it could be because society tells you that it's really uncouth to boast like that or 
it is because you haven't had that success for yourself. Because mm. okay. right? yeah. my instant reaction would be, OMG, wow, let's celebrate. It's an excuse to celebrate, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that would be like, whoa, yay. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Well, exactly. And so if you're not mm. triggered by it, then obviously, well, clearly you don't have that aspect within yourself. Now, if that person came into you, came into meeting with you like five times in a row and had the same statement, like new deals all the time and making hands uh, money hand over fist, perhaps your perception will be a little bit different. Are you feeling then that, oh, this is becoming a little too much or are you still able to hold that space to celebrate with that person? Mm, okay. right so so it's allowing someone to take pride in what they're doing unconditionally that's when we know that okay i i don't have this problem i <laughs> i i'm uh, i'm fully content with the with the successes of this person or i'm I'm happy for that person to be proud of their work, right? Now, what is what is your relationship with pride? So looking at your own situation, and this goes out to everybody who's on the live call here, but also to everybody listening uh, on the recording on this podcast, really take a, have a think about it. What is your relationship with pride? Are you allowing yourself to be proud of what you've done, accomplished, who you are? Or are you hiding aspects away? Or are there things that, you know, that you would like to be proud of, but society perhaps doesn't care that much about it? Or... Uh, doesn't celebrate it, so therefore you're not allowing yourself to be proud of it. So there, there's so many different aspects to this. So we have this idea of when we when we engage in the idea of pride, uh, the authenticity of, so my authentic relationship or how I would like to authentically uh, communicate or express my pride versus the societal environment. What is my my relationship? Or what what is the equilibrium there? Now, personally, I have I, I think I have a pretty hard time self promoting. It doesn't. And this is probably cultural um, that I the the idea of Yantel, the Yantel law that I described earlier um, that I if someone asks me how are things going I'm honest about it you know if I'm doing well in business then I say so but I'm not one to go out there and kind of promote myself uh, the, so the idea of self-promotion is doesn't come easy to me 
Now, some people have absolutely no problem with that. And I wish I didn't have a problem with that. But at the same time, that's where I'm at, right? So go ahead, Faz. My question goes back to the basics of what is pride even? Do you know, like, is it arrogance? Is it ego? Or being humble but proud in a sense where you're proud of your own achievements um, because for me it seems like arrogance and pride seem to be like looking down on people well, that that is the that is the traditional perspective on pride, and I uh, there was actually a quote I read. Can't remember who's it's who's from, but uh, uh, pride is when you look um, pride kind of forces you to look down on others because you're now proud of yourself, you're elevating yourself above others, and it prevents you from looking upward, right? Right, okay, because I think for me, I, I don't know if it's me getting confused in terms of like arrogance and pride and ego, mm -hmm. but then there's also confidence, high self-esteem. Absolutely. And being... Um, well, that's being... the challenge. From whose perspective do you set those values? And what are the gradients? What what are the limits to? So, if you go to America, for example, uh, and listen to someone who's uh, sharing their successes, as a Brit or a Swede or a European, you you may come across as being arrogant. But if you're an American listening to it, it's fantastic. It's it's normal, right? So it's there are so many aspects in terms of what are you are you so when you're sharing are you sharing from your uh, authenticity and I'm not talking authenticity from the perspective where you are now because as we've talked about before in, in the, the episode about authenticity authenticity is something that evolves over time and that's something that reveals itself gradually so when we look at uh, from the perspective of pride, am I com expressing it from my perspective or point of authenticity from my greatness? So it's all if I don't if I'm not in my greatness as of yet, then I need to put myself there and say, okay, well, if I was there now, what would be my relationship with expressing? pride and how would society and people around me respond to that now you want to be around surround yourself with people that are able to celebrate you unconditionally because that is how we are going to be allowing ourselves to continuously move forward and grow. 
Now, celebrating our successes doesn't necessarily have to do with our career. It could be, you know, learning something new. I broke through, I had a breakthrough with my psychotherapist today. That, you know, celebrate that. <laughs> so it's really a, about, okay, what is authentically, what matters to me? What makes me feel proud? And from a perspective of greatness, my greatness, when I get there, how would I communicate? How would I express it? Because the fact that you've managed to get there and you express it might actually help someone else get there. So you not expressing your pride might actually hold someone hold someone else uh, not hold someone else back. But if you do express it, you could actually help someone progress in their life. Now, do we need to care about all the naysayers and the ones that that tell us to shrink down and don't you know? Don't take up so much space. Well, that's an individual choice, isn't it? That's a decision we have to make individually. Mm. So, yeah, it, it, it is, to me, it is that spectrum. It's not pride, the sin. Pride is a spectrum between humility and narcissism. And on the narcissistic side, that's where you have the arrogance and all of that in my perspective. But that that uh, spectrum obviously has to be judged by someone. And in this case, you have yourself, anybody else, and doctrine, whether it's societal or uh, religious or whatever doctrine it may be and mm. <clears throat> so so we all each have to have to decide what we want to conform to because we always conform to something now i personally am very much for conforming to my own authenticity so when i feel right about promoting or to you know, celebrate something about myself, then I do that. And if I don't, then I don't. And if people that are, if there are some people that don't like it, that's okay. And perhaps <laughs> I need to find new people to uh, surround myself with, right? If, uh, mm -hmm. if nobody in my surroundings uh, like to celebrate me, then... Perhaps uh, I'm in the wrong group, right? Mm. Surrounding me, myself with the wrong people. Does that make definitely. sense, Faz? The, this yeah. idea of the spectrum? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of like, um, in terms of like the actual spectrum in itself, um, like you say, you know, like arrogance and pride can be seen as. Um, in a sense where the boasting, continuous boasting for validation, etc., could possibly be one aspect of it. 
And I think somebody having the confidence, the self-esteem to promote humbly <laughs> what they're doing, I mean, that's a different um, scenario to me because that is promoting a business, showing what services are available and at the same time showing successes so people trust your brand in order to buy into it. Um, and that's got a purpose, you know? Yeah. Um, but that, that is based on your your expectations and your experiences with the, or the, the idea of the spectrum, right? Mm. To someone, someone else, it might be something completely different. Yeah. I the, mean, the experience or the, the idea of pride, which I'm trying to put out there, is that it is a spectrum. And whatever it, mean, whatever it means to you, you are right. Because perception is your reality. So if you perceive pride from the perspective of no, it's a sin, black and white, that's it. Okay, that's fine, because that's your experience. If you uh, kind of go into the idea that it's more of a spectrum between humility and narcissism, then perhaps you, you invite some more flexibility uh, in that respect to your life, and that's fine too. Now, where you end up on the spectrum in terms of your perception of and it's always like if someone someone or a company or whatever expresses something and we make a judgment, oh, it ends up on this side of the spectrum, then that's based on our value system. It could be based on our societal expectations. It could be based on our own experiences and how we perceive it, and and of course, based on unhealed aspects of ourselves. Right, Faz? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a vast topic, and it, it can go either way for me. Well, that's of... it. It's, it's based on the situation, because your perception, say someone came on here today and said, Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. I've uh, managed to uh, uh, make a million dollars in this uh, business deal today. Whoa, whoa, fantastic, right? Now, your perception of that today might be very different if that happened two years in the future or two years in the past, right? So our perception of it is going to change because our experiences change and our perception of our own reality construct changes. So th mm. this is, again, it's part of the evolution of our own authenticity because the more we discover about ourselves, our perception of our reality and our own authenticity and who we are is going to change. So therefore, yeah. our perception and our idea of pride will change accordingly. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. I was I, I I was thinking of the word evolve just before you said the word. <laughs> um. And yeah. Whilst we're evolving, yeah, you're right there in terms of like our perceptions are evolving at the same time on what we thought of a specific situation one time when we maybe not so healed mm-hmm. or maybe in our trauma or at the highest point of our or peak of our trauma how mm-hmm. we would react at that point and how we'd react once trauma had been dealt with or triggers have been dealt with or learned management techniques and tools on how to deal with these triggers then seeing that scenario from a different perspective from a different lens mm-hmm. um would shine out differently and you'd perceive it differently because gotcha. otherwise the shadows are um highlighted aren't they in these in, in triggered moments that's exactly it and when you actually shine the torch on there deal with them and when you're no longer triggered what comes to mind at that moment or during that time when you're in that state would be a whole different ball game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly it. It's depending on what lens you see uh, or you, you perceive the experience through. Now, I, I can honestly share with you one challenge I have if you take the... Uh, looking at the uh, spectrum of pride, uh, people that go out and say, I am the number one healer in the world, for example. I have a big problem with that. And that's personal to me. I I know that people that have no problem with it. It's just one of those things. If I don't understand why anybody would make a claim like that. But there are people out there that are happy to claim that they are the best in the world on something that necessarily they couldn't be the best because there's no framework for that value to be kind of graded best to worst. But people are happy doing it. So them doing it and me being uncomfortable with it has nothing to do with them because it's all to do with my experience and my reaction to it. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out and make those that kind of proclamation, but why should I not allow them to do that without me judging them. Now, I still have a problem doing that, but at some point I will come to a point of, you know, a perspective that it, it doesn't trigger me. I haven't figured that one out yet, but hopefully it will come at some point. But that's what I'm saying, that once I figure that one out, then I will have evolved and my spectrum of pride will look very different and yeah i mean i personally feel that everybody should be as proud as they want of whatever work they're doing or 
whether that being professional work or working on themselves or, you know, the uh, fantastic family they're raising or whatever it may be. And I, my work on myself, I would like to be that I am able to celebrate their success unconditionally. Because if they want to express that pride and express it and communicate it, what is it that prevents me from participating in that celebration? That's on me, not on anybody else. And that's where we have uh, taking a look at ourselves or being self-reflective. And in those experiences, that's where we find the growth. And that's not only in pride. It's just that if we can take that moment and say, okay, what does pride mean to me? And how do I experience other people being proud of themselves for whatever that, that may be, Right. So, and I know parents, well, parents can be so competitive, right? So it's like straight A little Johnny uh, in school, you know, parents are like, oh, they think they are something. They think, that, you know, they, we always have this <laughs> in, in schools. And the same thing, you know, if, if some kid is a troublemaker, oh, he's a troublemaker, that one, right? We, we always judge others based on either our own pride, if we use the old terminology of pride, you know, or we judge them based on our own perceived shortcomings. So again, it, it becomes a spectrum. Is little Johnny a bad apple or is he a straight-A student? Well, if my kids are straight-A students as well, then perhaps I'll join in with little Johnny's parents. Yeah, great, Johnny. My kids are right up there, right? Now, everybody below that, perhaps I'm being judgmental of them because they're not straight-A students. So again, it's that growth process. How, can I, how am I able to refrain from judging others on this scale? Fast, go ahead. Uh, yes, something comes to mind in terms of that. I mean, could it be then be taken as um, inspiration instead? Something to aim for? Yeah. Something, something as a goal to set for oneself or um, and see it as an inspiration instead? Mm -hmm. um, yeah rather than a hindrance or rather than competition as such. Yeah, I think actually I saw, um, I think it was Charlie Morley uh, in a presentation. I think it was on Mind Valley actually. There's a video on Facebook or something where he said, if you have envy triggered coming up, so someone's driving down the road in their new, Tesla is, and you feel that envy within you, try to flip the script on it. And instead of saying, why do that person have that? Just say, wow, that's so cool. I I wish I had, oh, I, I hope to one day have one of those as well. 
to frame it in the way that, you know, it's achievable and not merely a wish, but that you turn it into something that you're not envious of, but something that becomes aspirational. So oftentimes the pride can also be the the part that holds us holds us back in terms of the old definition of pride and pride in terms of holding on to values and rules that we grew up with that really don't resonate with our authenticity but because of pride we hold on to them. And the same thing as someone triggering anger with us. Oftentimes, it's pride that enables us to latch on and really hold on to that anger until the day we die. And we can't let it go because we're too proud. Right? We can either let it serve us or hinder us absolutely because if it serves us it'll take us to the next level exactly so here's the question for you Faz or for everybody mention something that wouldn't serve you now you're asking <laughs> I'm gonna ah, and if anybody wants to chime, chime in if you if you want to think about it first, you're welcome to. And if anybody else wants to chime into that question, feel free. Or if you want to take a stab at it. You said something that, that wouldn't serve us? Yeah. Uh, maybe um, jealousy. Good. Jealousy stemming from that that pride. Um, we see them, they're, they're prideful, but instead of being happy for them, some part of us is is jealous or we want that instead of saying... Okay, so I have jealousy coming up. Get that. You have jealousy coming up. What do you do? You have to look um, within yourself and see why, what, what is making me feel this way? What is the, the root? And, and you have to dig deeper to see where the root cause is. With, with different things in my life, I've had to do that. Looking at something and I had a reaction and I said, that reaction should have never, I shouldn't feel that way inside that reaction. It means something inside of me, there's a root cause. Either there was a fear or there was a hurt. And there was something, and if I can get to that root from myself, I can solve that problem for not needing that emotion towards that that person or that thing. So the jealousy now became your teacher? It could be a teacher. So it was it was a good thing that it showed up? Uh, it, it was. It was because then I can reevaluate myself and I can work on myself. So it was keep working on myself, like evolution. You know, so you it served you, right? It served me. So I'm still waiting for something that wouldn't, wouldn't serve you. Oh, okay. I got you. <laughs> well, it's a trick question okay, because there's me, nothing that wouldn't serve you. It's a trick question because there's nothing that wouldn't serve you. Oh, you got me, Chris. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the point is that everything yeah. that you experience is there as a tool for you. It's a tool for you to expand, grow, evolve. 
to learn about yourself, learn about how you experience the world, learn about how you approach your own experiences internally as well externally. And from what perspective am I experiencing these different things? Am I stuck in my head? Am I, uh, you know, am I observing myself from my awareness? Am I uh, out of my body because it's too uncomfortable and constricted in my body? You know, from what perspective am I experiencing my life? Right? And this is where everything that we do experience, whether it being grief, pain, suffering, whatever it is, joy, love, it all helps us grow so that it's all that service. You know, my children screaming and yelling at me is a fantastic teacher for my patients and my unconditional love, right? So it's really when we look at pride, in uh, if we're looking at the spectrum between humility and narcissism within ourselves, when we are stuck on the end where we are so hell-bent on holding on to our anger or our bitterness or whatever it may be, because if we give it up, then we somehow feel that we've lost or that we've lost our right to be angry. But why are we holding on to the anger? Purely because our pride says that we need to. Or society says that, <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're not angry about this, you're weak. So we have the aspect of pride being a function of being proud of who you are, the work that you do, your family, and so forth. But we also have this internal relationship with pride where it comes down to the idea of if I don't do those yeah if i don't do this then people will judge me from their uh, from really from my perspective because i obviously don't know them but i expect them to judge me from whatever i expect uh, whatever judgment i hold so and i i know i've uh, used this example before but i'll share it again you know my mother uh, and I had a conversation, and you know there was something we uh, she there was something that she felt that she had done me wrong, and she couldn't forgive herself. And I said, "Let it go. Don't have to hold on to it." And she said, "I have to." When I said, "Why? Well, if I don't hold on to it, who will?" It's like, why does anybody have to hold on to it? Well, because someone has to hold on to it because the otherwise it loses its meaning, kind of thing. And I can, I could, from 
from the perspective of who I used to be, I could understand it. But from the perspective where I am today, I can't understand that. Especially when the, the quote-unquote victim or whoever you've perpetrated something against says, let it go, I forgive you. No, I got to hold on to it. So that that was an idea that she had built up within herself that if she didn't hold on to it, it was somehow she was right in doing whatever uh, she was doing. It's like if she forgave herself, then whatever she had done was uh, righteous or it, it, it was not bad, as it were. So it becomes very, we, we hold, we become kind of slaves to this idea of pride that we hold on to ourselves and we can't let it go. We may, if we allow ourselves to, but we don't allow ourselves to. Ah, yes, it just reminds me of like generational, generational trauma, mm -hmm. holding on, holding on to it. Somebody needs to let it go at some point, you know. It came from somewhere. It got passed down, generation after generation after generation. Like as oh, oh, you hold this. Now you hold even. Now you hold the next generation. Now holds two bags. Mm -hmm. the two generations. Then the following generation holds three bags. Sure. And it gets heavier, 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 and heavier. At some point, somebody's gonna have to let go of it because it's gonna get very heavy and it's not gonna be able to be held anymore. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you'll find uh, a lot of stereotypes come out of generational or cultural uh, karma is really what you're talking about. Um, so you could have had, uh, so take for example, uh, sexual violence uh, several generations back, but that trauma is then being transferred down in the generations because the each generation is being raised with this trauma as a backdrop. And when you get five generations down, we don't know about the experience that this person had five generations up, but we're still raising our children based on how our parents raised us. And we don't understand why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's why at some point somebody's got to break this cycle. It Absolutely. came from somewhere. It started from somewhere. It needs to finish somewhere, you know? Yeah, and who is that person to finish that or to break that cycle? We get to decide, don't we? Yeah, yeah. it's you, yeah, it's you. me, it's Sarah, it's Carmen, it's Noriko, Marna. Riska and Matt and Deborah and everybody else. Mm. And that's if we don't want it to go any further, which I'm sure, you know, that nobody wants to exactly. let but it go any further. It's, you an know? it's an individual choice. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. So the question which is in, in line would be, so um, how, important is, how important is it to identify that, you know, the exact reasoning for what you're letting go, right? Because sometimes if you're talking about 
generational that you could identify certain aspects that you want to release. Um, how important is it to identify specifically so that you can, so that it can, you can release it or you, you know, yeah. Uh, I think when you, when you look at it in each generation, that trauma manifests itself in some way. Uh, so you don't necessarily need to go back five generations to discover the original trauma because that has disappeared with that person dying, you know, however long ago. But because it, it comes down or the, it, uh, the, the energy of the trauma exists in each generation, there is some way it manifests in each generation. So, yes, it's important to go back to understanding for yourself what is it that showed up in my generation? So you may not even know it's generational trauma, and it really doesn't matter. But you can see a pattern, perhaps, when you talk to your mother or your father and, and your grandparents and so forth, you might see a pattern. Right? So, for example, if you right. take culturally, you have, like, uh, the potato famine in Ireland, for example. If you look at Irish culture, by and large, and this is a stereotype, but a lot of times stereotypes come from uh, cultural karma. Um, the idea of uh, food or the idea of finishing your food or the, the cherishing food is very important because of that kind of uh, cultural trauma they had during the potato famine. Or you go to Ukraine with the Holomodor. Uh, or you take the uh, uh, Jewish communities, for example, with the uh, Holocaust. So when there are certain stereotypes that kind of are perpetuated because those traumas are relived in each generation because it's brought in in the way we raise our children. So the yeah. way it manifests, that's where you can go back to. So if you have generational trauma in something that is perpetuated or kind of comes down the generations in your family, you only need to go back and look at your experience. You don't need to go back and look at uh, past generations. Does that answer your question? Exactly. That answers it. Can answer that. And, and and I suppose you can, depending on you know whether it's trauma, it's depending on how it's serving you, right? Um, if, if, you, if you talk about the different cultures, how is that trauma serving you? Is it serving you for something that you want or something that you don't want? Well, the trauma is going to always serve you in the way or in from the perspective that it's going to teach you something about yourself. Now, if the yeah. trauma remains unhealed within you, it's going to keep showing up in your life until you learn the lesson from it. That's my yeah. philosophical belief anyway. <laughs> and, uh, that, no, that's, got it, got it. Thank you. Thank that, you. That's, that's what that's I've experienced great. in my life. Uh, so, for example, I've abandonment is one uh, big karma, or one uh, big uh, karmic energy in my life. 
and that kept has been showing up until I was able to learn the lesson. I'm still learning part aspects of that lesson, but if we if we refuse to learn the lesson, it's going to keep showing up. I was just thinking in terms of what I put in the comment, in terms of like, you know, like trauma mm -hmm. making somebody, well, trauma equals like survive, being in survival mode and stress mode, kind of like in fight and flight mode. Well, it's really, let's break it down a little bit further. So you can have trauma during different parts of your life. And depending on when you experienced it, you're going to have a different perspective on it and from where you are today, right? So your reaction to it is going to be different. So if you have a trauma from when you're two years old, your relationship with that trauma is going to be very different from a trauma that you had when you were 40 years old, right? Now, so our relationship with it and the manifestation of it in our current experiences is going to be dependent on partly when we experienced it, but also what is our perception of that experience. So now something I experienced when I was five years old, I may today look at oh, that's nothing. But when I actually go back to the five-year-old of myself, it was really traumatic. But I, if I don't go back there, I will never get that perspective of it because I will always look at it from the perspective of where I'm today. So it shows up, so, uh, shows up uh, subconsciously because it is something I embedded at a young age and then it keeps showing up and I don't understand why because I don't have that relationship with the experience I had as a five-year-old when I implanted the habit or the experience or the perception of the experience that uh, so it's it's really looking at that and then also looking at have I worked, you know, if, if I'm working through it, then I'm able to heal it. So the trauma is now being resolved. Now, there might be still body memories that causes stress from the trigger, but it's being aware of those situations that or being aware of the triggers as they come up and understanding where they're coming from that will then be able to lead you back to where the trauma experience. So a trigger really is a, it's triggers something that's unhealed within yourself. And it's always going to be uh, attached to, or it's going to be triggering fear of some sort. And that fear is then going to, cause us to experience anger or uh, sadness or stress or something else. It's going to manifest in different ways, right? But it's always yeah. triggering of fear of some sort because the trauma is always destabilizing our sense of security. 
Mm. That is the core of it. Mm. It also reminds me of like when um, trauma, um, trauma wounds, trauma bonding um, to the, uh, the, the mother cord, the attachment to the mother wound. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes when um, there's been traumas whilst, uh, whilst, whilst you've been in the womb, of course. And the mothers had traumas and then they've been passed down. Mm-hmm. And then that attachment cord is still attached subconsciously. Obviously not physically, but <laughs> subconsciously um, it's attached. And one just can't let go of it. Um, and then it manifests into different... See, this is the bit that I'm not sure about. It manifests into mother wounds. Is that is that what it's called? Um, um, don't, I haven't actually delved into that concept of it, and I don't know if there's necessarily, you know, psychological research and empirical evidence to support support that. But from a philosophical point of view, uh, the way I look at it is, if you take life as Point, from point A to point B, it's really you have point A being the introduction of consciousness into a lump of cells. And then you have a string of experiences, you know, what you're talking about receiving, uh, you know, uh, kind of karmic energy from uh, through the umbilical cord from your mother. Uh, through the uh, you know delivery and then all the experiences you have in your life until the point where the consciousness then leaves the bigger clump of cells and that's your life so it's really about introduction of uh, consciousness experience 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 exit of consciousness and that's it now it's our perception of each of these experiences during different stages of our lives, that then become the sum of that then becomes our experience. That becomes our life. And every experience we have is an opportunity for us to see how we react or how we respond to those different experiences. Now, we can change that at any time in our lives, we can go back to any experience and say, you know what? The way I perceived that experience and everybody included in it, that doesn't resonate with me anymore. I'm going to look at it from this perspective. And now you may have healed something. And that's really what healing is, is changing your perspective on a past traumatic experience. So yes, whether you, if your mother was a heroin addict and you got heroin through the uh, umbilical cord, or your mother was uh, experiencing mental illness and had, you know, a lot of cortisol in their bloodstream, a lot of high stress levels, that would of course affect you as a child as, oh, as a as a fetus as well. 
that then becomes part of your experiences. Now, that one is a little bit more challenging to remember. You can get there through uh, hypnosis, for example, or regression. Um, again, no, not necessarily any empirical evidence for that, but we can see that the healing that takes place, that something does happen um, when you do regress into the womb, for example. Um, but at the same time, there, it those all experiences, and how do you perceive that? How? So if you know that your mother was shooting up heroin when she was pregnant with you, then you can of course approach it from that perspective and say, okay, well, obviously I was a heroin baby, and so therefore I had these these experiences in the womb and that must have been very physically uh, challenging and have had an impact on my development so now how how do i perceive that now do i feel animosity towards my mother mother do i feel uh, anger towards her or do i forgive her or do i feel compassion for the experience she had a lot of different ways we can approach it, right? Mm, definitely. I mean, it shapes so much of life. These uh, these scenarios and these situations, which mm -hmm. are like part of life. Obviously, being in the womb from conception to being in the womb to to delivery, even traumatic deliveries, when people have. Oh, sure. But when people have looked at their life, like, you know, like, looked back at life and been like, whoa, wait a minute, is this the kind of deliver, you know, this is this how I came into the world, you know? Was this the environment that was happening yeah. around me at the time? And um, that's why, yeah. you know, if you look at these uh, rebirthing uh, ceremonies that people do, then if you've had a if your birth was challenging, then uh, they can be very re uh, relieving, if you like, uh, for someone who experiences that. Um, and I, you know, a lot of people scoff at that. But again, it doesn't matter what quote unquote science or popular belief is. If someone goes through that and has a healing experience, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. As long as that person has now shifted their perspective and has been able to heal their relationship with whatever trauma they had experienced, doesn't matter what science says. In my book, that's healing. Mm. And that's it's like re oh, that's resolving a challenge. So this is where you know we have all these experiences and oftentimes it's in our younger years that we grow up with a mindset based on the society around us. And then we kind of go into adolescence, we young adulthood, and we have this system of beliefs because that's that we find security in that. Now, holding on to that and Perhaps not. Well, if it doesn't resonate with our authenticity and we're holding on to that, then 
we are it, pride does come into the the into the picture and that's where we can look at pride and say okay where am i using pride as a tool to avoid releasing my authenticity and also looking at again as we were talking about before the the spectrum of uh, of uh, pride between humility and narcissism what's where where do i find myself on that spectrum and I, am i am i communicating that authentically and expressing it authentically how do i perceive others around me on that spectrum and how does that compare to where i would have seen myself and others 10 years ago and where do I want to be? And that's where, when we are able to look at ourselves from that perspective and go through that process, that then becomes part of our growth process. All right. Well, thank you all for showing up today and uh, bringing your beautiful energies and uh, your inquisitive minds. And uh, we we'll hope to see you next time. Take care now. Have a good one. When we open up our minds and our mindset to seeing our experiences from a different perspective or to be open to any perspective, then we can release ourselves from old conditioning, old programming, and actually start to uh, take a mindful approach to our existence and our experiences. It's in that process that we will start to feel gratitude for the challenges that we go through because we will be able to understand that there is growth and there is benefit at the end of our journey and at the end of our experiences. So I hope this episode on uh, pride has uh, challenged you to start asking yourself some uh, groundbreaking questions and to help you shift into a mode of openness uh, towards yourself and your own experiences. If you feel you need help navigating these questions and topics and perhaps uh, create questions for yourself to bring into your experiences and your practices, please visit our website at thealchemyexperience.co.uk and uh, click on the 30-minute free consultation button, schedule a time with us and we will delve in deeper into these topics to explore how we might be able to help you. But for now, I wish you all the best, and I hope to see you back here for the next episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast. In the meantime, take care, have fun, enjoy, and we'll see you later.